little bit about myself. Most of you know, but maybe some of you that are somewhat new, maybe you don't know. Um, okay, if I was going I hate to even use this word these days, but if I was going to define myself or identify myself, some of you know that by nature, I am an introvert. I'm an, I am. I'm an introvert. I get uh, big crowds don't, don't charge me up. They drain me. Extroverts like to be around a lot of people, and they get, it pumps them up. It gives them energy. Now, I, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. I need to go alone in order to be charged up. I need, you know, whether it's in nature or reading or whatever, I've got to take a break. And I have learned something about myself is that um, I, can't, I, I can't be a really good public speaker as an introvert. I can't be a good leader as an introvert. So these are things that I've had to train myself into. I've had to learn how to, to be an extrovert. So I, I define myself as an outgoing introvert. <laughs> and, and you can be one too. You, you can be one too. And actually, it's important. Now, not that introverts are bad, but just like extroverts, introverts have their problems too. And there is a trap of becoming too introverted. Growing up, um, I was an only child for 18 years. So my, my parents have two only children. So I have a, I have a sister that's 18 years younger than myself. And uh, yeah, so we're both spoiled and we don't know how to share. Um, and then growing up, see, I grew up in the 80s. 80s are awesome, right? I grew up in the 80s. There was not a thing called the internet. There was no cable. There were no cell phones. You know, in order for us to change the channel, you had to get up out of the couch and walk over across the, the living room and, and change the knob manually. I didn't have a TV in my room. And you know, growing up in Altaloma, not a whole lot to do. And so as an only child, I learned the skill of entertaining myself. So I had an overactive imagination. You know, I, 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 it, was, it, was a great, it was a great childhood. So I, I, I could be alone. I could go out into the fields and I could spend hours. I, I would spend day, I spent an entire day out in, the, out in the woods by myself, out in the fields by myself with my dog. And I was okay with it. Years later, in marriage... My wife <laughs> My wife <laughs> I know the spiritual gift of self-control here. Uh, my wife gently said, "Josh, how come you don't have any friends?" What are you talking about? You don't have any friends, Josh. What's the matter with you? like, I have friends. She's like, Boomer and Jackson don't count as friends. They're dogs. They, you can't have a conversation with them. And I'm like, well, I can have a conversation, you know, with my imaginary friends in my head, right? This is the trap of introverts is that we've learned the secret of entertaining ourselves and we think that we don't need people. But the truth of it is, and the truth that my wife was speaking into my life is that I needed friends in my life. And it's vital. And it is so important. 
And I knew that if I did not intentionally begin to develop friendships, that I was going to be an unhealthy person. And I was not going to be a good individual. I wasn't going to be a good husband. I wasn't going to be a good father. I wasn't going to be a good pastor until I intentionally pushed myself into situations where I'm developing friendships. And I still have to work on it. And so I'm like, all right, I guess she's right. And the, the truth about me and most introverts is that we're terrible friends. I'm a, I'm a terrible friend. Maybe I'm a decent pastor, decent husband, decent dad or whatever, but I'm a terrible friend. I'm not going to call you on your birthday. If I know that you're moving and you call, I'm going to ignore your call. <laughs> and so, I, I, again, just like you know, becoming a public speaker or a leader, I had to train myself. I had to be intentional with myself on becoming a better friend to you know, my awesome friends that put up with me through college and the ones that, that, that I ministered to in church. And I had to build friendships outside of the church and other pastors that could commiserate with what I go through. Stop it. <laughs> so I had, I had to be intentional about friendship with others. It made me a healthier person. And we know this inside of our culture, inside of society, with the polarization of politics, all kinds of other crazy things, and COVID and racism, you name it. It's a, it's a tactic from the enemy to divide not only society, but to divide the body of Christ. It's a strategy for him to isolate us. It's worked pretty good lately. But it is, it's, a, it's a technique the enemy uses, getting people alone. And the enemy lies. He's a really good liar. He's the father of lies. And he'll tell us introverts things like, he'll whisper things in our ears like, you don't need people. You don't need friends. You have dogs. Now, I'm even just a big dog fan. I'm even a cat lover now. Like, Bruce is my new buddy. But Mako's right, they can't talk back to me. Proverbs 27 says, Faithful are the words of a friend that wound. Meaning that only a friend can tell you, like my wife told me, only a friend can tell you where you are lacking and where you need to grow and where you need to mature. Sometimes we get offended by people's, you know, love for us because sometimes it hurts and it stings. But the, the scripture says, Faithful are the, the wounds of a friend. Many are the kisses of your enemies. So we just need to pay attention to who's in our life and who we've given power to speak into our lives. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Trustworthy is another way that it says it. Trustworthy are the wounds of a friend. And so we know, I mean, you know that you need to have good people around you. You need to foster good, healthy friendships. We know that people that have been isolated during this season, and I could pull up stats, I could pull up you know, secular studies, 
showing the rise of depression and, and suicide during the season of isolation. So you know what I'm saying is true. That inside the body of Christ, friendship with one another is absolutely vital. And I understand the, the hesitation at times to push in because maybe you've been hurt before. Maybe you've been stabbed in the back before or betrayed by a close friendship. I understand that. Here's the good news. The good news is, is that if God can heal cancer, he can heal a relationship. Amen. And people that hurt people, they can change. I hold on to this hope that everybody is changeable. Everyone can grow into spiritual maturity. We have to have hope inside of our leadership and inside of the people that we do life together, that there is hope for change. And so even the worst of your friends can be better friends. I will clarify this, though. It might be time. It might be time for you to break up with some friends. You know, I was thinking about this. We have absolutely no problems at all in society to break up or divorce, right? Like if the relationship is not meeting your needs or if it's toxic or it's bad, then we divorce. Uh, we don't have, most of us don't have problems breaking up with a toxic boyfriend or toxic girlfriend. But for some strange reasons, we don't break up with toxic friends. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time you break up with a toxic friend and get some new friends. Friends that love Jesus. Friends that will encourage you. Friends that will speak life into your life and, and build you up instead of tearing you down. You don't want to be lonely. I, and, I, and, I, and again, I'm an introvert, so I'm okay with it. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, I can be lonely and be happy. Still, it's not a healthy place for me to be. Because loneliness and isolation... is a strategy from the devil. It is. Loneliness and isolation is a strategy from the devil. He wants to, he wants to pull you away from the pack. He wants to pick us off one by one. He's, he, again, it looks like he's really good at it these days. But that, that's his strategy. The interesting thing about this strategy of loneliness is that it is the only strategy that does not require you to sin. It just happens to good people when the, when the enemy is allowed to do what he gets to do. Everything else that isolates us from people and isolates us from God is usually sin. It's like some dumb mistake that you made, with the exception of loneliness. So it's a, it's a trap that it's, like a, it's almost like a slow fade. And so, as one introvert to maybe some other introverts, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to fight that urge just to have a relationship with your animals. You can still have a relationship with your animals. You can still connect. I did a, I did a sermon a couple of weeks ago about connecting with God through nature. You can still connect with God in the woods, and, and you can have a religious experience surfing. They're completely legitimate. They're actually needed and required. But you, you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because you need to be in community, and you need people, and you need good friends. And you're like, well, Pastor Josh, how in the world do I do that? Again, 
It, it requires action, mm-hmm. intention, and pushing in, and even taking a risk. Taking a risk. And again, I know that's hard for a lot of people that have had their hearts broken or have been disappointed in friendships. So I, t- I totally get it. Now, we understand why friendship with one another is important in the context of society. important in the context of fellowship. But did you know that friendship is actually the cornerstone to our faith? It's a big deal, everybody. It's a cornerstone. It is vital to our faith. Now, you understand, hopefully by now, the importance of this, of us connecting one-on-one together, of being in community, of doing life together and becoming friends. I think you understand the importance of that. But equally important, more important is this relationship. And the way that the scriptures, the foundation of our faith, whether you get it or not, we're going to get it today, is that the intent is that we have a friendship with God. Have you thought about that lately in your, in your personal relationship with God? Is it a friendship or is it more of a, a subservience? Now, we're going to look at this idea that the Jesus is Lord, this is what we're going to declare at the baptism, but I know we're, going to flip the other, we're going to flip the coin over, and you're going to see that Jesus is Lord, but he's also your friend. So if you want to get your Bibles, and we're going to, we're going to take a look at when this first begins to unfold. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8 says, but you, O Israel, my what? My, my servant, Jacob, on whom I have chosen. So since we're in a New Testament reality and you're, you're sitting here today, um, guess what? You're chosen. You thought that you came here and you chose to come to church, but the reality is, is that God chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. We're grafted in. You descendants of Abraham. What does he say? My friend. Abraham, my friend. I look, to, I look for you to the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you, and, you have not, and I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though your enemies search for you, though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand. It's a gesture of friendship. James says the same thing this way. First of all, Have you ever thought that God's called you to be a friend? I mean, like, what, like, Pastor Josh, where is that in the Bible? We'll get there in a second. 
I want you to think about, again, your relationship to the Lord. Ask yourself, okay, am I a student of God? Am I a servant of God? Am I a slave of God? Or am I a disciple? Jesus says to go and throughout the whole world. To what? To make servants? To make slaves? No, to make disciples. Incidentally, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, the plan for the church is that we are making disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is not a student. A disciple sits at the feet of Jesus and he's taking notes. He or she is taking notes. And Jesus is, he's like saying, I don't know, how to be a better person. You're taking notes. Okay, this is point A, point B, point B, to be a better person. Okay, I'll do that. And then Jesus says, okay, now it's your turn. Be a good person. Don't just learn about this. Do this. A disciple also is in the, at the foot of Jesus. He's taking notes, and Jesus is giving him a, a lecture or a conference on how to heal the sick and raise the dead. And then Jesus goes and does it. And the good teacher then says to you and to me, all right, now it's your turn. You must do, because you are a disciple. You're not a student. You're not a learner. You are a disciple, and disciples do. I like to think of it this way. A disciple is like a student that has become a friend. All right, back to James. James chapter 2, verse 20. You, foolish man, you can put a woman in there too if you'd like. I know. We can do that. That's fair. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. That's what disciples do. Faith and actions work together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures was fulfilled that says Abraham what? Believed, which is a faith act. Abraham believed God and it was what? Credited to him as righteousness. So his belief is what got him to a righteous state. And then what? And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she was she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So push into friendship. Become a friend of God. Friendship with God is actually a deep and scary move. Okay, think about, I don't know, think about the last, the last romantic relationship that you were involved in and how scary that was and maybe you were hurt or betrayed. Think about putting yourself out there for a friendship and how scary that was and how maybe you were 
maybe hurt and betrayed. And there's just like a huge risk. So how many people, well, don't raise your hands, but us introverts who are scared of social situations, we, we get this, right? We, we feel this pain. It's, it's difficult for us to step forward into and risk a relationship. You think it's bad with people? Try it with God. Once we strip away all the trappings of religion and we take a risk in going into a personal relationship with Yahweh, things get a little scary. They get a little dicey because he's Yahweh. He's all-powerful. And he loves you so much that, yeah, he wants to get into your business and change your life. Yahweh draws us into a relationship that is deep and scary. In Exodus 33, I'm going to just paraphrase this one. I'm not going to write, I'm not going to read it, so you can study it later. But Yahweh calls Moses into a relationship. I have studied Exodus and this situation and I've studied it for a very long time. I don't completely understand it. But there was a relationship with Moses and God that we all have access to. We can have this type of relationship. And God, in the midst of his power and in the midst of his glory, there's, you know, pillars of fire moving around, and it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, and there's this mist that settles, and, and Moses is called into this deep darkness to have a relationship, have a conversation with God. And he goes in. He takes that risk to go in. Incidentally, uh, on more than one occasion, God almost kills Moses. I'm not saying that God's going to kill you, but I'm just saying that's kind of how risky this relationship was. But here's the key to 33. Here's the key to 33. is that God was having a conversation with Moses face to face as one has with a friend. We have a friendly conversation. Moses engages in a friendly conversation with God. He gets friendly with God. When was the last time you got friendly with God? When we take on that, that friendly relationship with God, and then, and then again, it's, it's the other side of the coin because God is Lord, right? He is, he is all-powerful. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. But again, the other side of the coin is he is calling us and directing us into a, a healthy relationship based on friendship. When was the last time we get friendly with God? I'm going to tell you what the results are when we do. When we choose friendship, when we go into a deep place with God to have a face-to-face -face encounter with him, heaven opens up. And it doesn't just open up on us. It opens up around us. And it actually brings unity in the form of worship. As Moses is, is having this face-to-face -face conversation with God, one of those scary moments with God, I guess you could say, the Israelites worshiped. All right, let me just make something clear. The Israelites, during this time, were the biggest bunch of knuckleheads the planet had ever seen.
they, they whine about everything, they complain about everything, they're, they're, they have, they're all toxic, they all have toxic relationships, they're trying to stab Moses in the back, they're trying to stab Aaron in the back, they're horrible people. They cannot get along. And again, they're, they're, God is giving them you know, bread from heaven, and they're complaining about that. They complain about everything. But when Moses gets friendly with God, something changes in the atmosphere, and they begin to worship. In 33, it says that, and then the Israelites came out of their tents and began to worship. So, when you choose to transition yourself from being a slave to Christ, a servant of Christ, a student of Christ, and when you take that optic change to become a disciple of Christ, a friend of Jesus then people around you are going to be wondering why, just like Moses was, why your face is lighting up with joy. And they can't help themselves but to want to worship what you worship. How many people have bosses? Some of you, yeah, some of you have a boss, right? Do you like your boss? I got some yeses. What if you have this big giant project on the table and there's a deadline? And I know that life is crazy these days and supply chains are down and workers aren't showing up. And like, I understand the marketplace is, is a crazy season right now. And your boss asks you to stay late and finish a project, because it's important. Okay, good employees, what do you say? You say, yes, sir. I'd be more than happy to stay late to make sure that this project gets done. And then you punch your time clock, and you get time and a half, right? Amen? The answer is yes, you do. In the marketplace, you do. You punch your time clock, and you get time and a half. Because... You need to be compensated for your time that you're giving to your boss. Amen? Yeah. All right. Your friend just lost their house and are being forced to move, and they call you up and ask you if you would help them move. What do you say? You say yes, and you show up, and you rent a U-Haul, and you work all day to move your friend. Why? It's because they're your friend. Do you turn in your time clock? No, you don't turn in your time clock because they are not your boss. They are your friend. Okay? Do you see where I'm going with this? So we must shift our relationship towards God. To, and the base is friendship. He is our Lord, yes. But again, the other side is that he is our friend. So just like... You wouldn't charge your friend. If you do, you've got some major problems. You would not charge your friend for moving. You wouldn't, you know, clock your hours for something like that. Would you charge God for showing up in your life? Are you worshiping God in order to get something from God? Or are you worshiping God because he's worthy of it and because he's your friend? A lot of us, a lot of us go there. A lot of, I mean, it's easy to do. It's human nature. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug into God's presence so he will bless me so I'll get something in return. I'm going to punch my spiritual time clock. Yeah, we need to quit doing that. 
Likewise, did you know that friendship goes both ways? When you are hurting, when you are broken, when your body needs to be healed, when you need breakthrough in your relationships, you know who is there to help? Your friend, Jesus. And he shows up and he helps. Why? Because you're friends. Not because your church attendance is perfect. Not because your tithing record is immaculate. Not because you did a bunch of good deeds throughout the week. No, God shows up and helps you because you guys have developed a friendship, not a religion. Jesus is amazing what he invites us into. See, they call spiritual growth and maturity, spiritual growth and maturity for a reason, because you, you, go, you go further up and you go deeper in at the same time. In some way, in the basis way, it does start off as, I mean, you have to do this, everybody. You have to, you have to take the plunge and you have to declare that Jesus is your Lord. But he is so good and he's so kind. He invites you into his kingdom and into his business. And so when you push in, as friends do, well, not as only child children do, but they share. I don't know how to share. Gospel of John, chapter 15. We'll go verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This is the great illustration of being planted in God's vineyard. We're planted in him. We are the plants, and everything that we need in life is in his soil. It is in the love and the peace that God provides. Everything that you need is planted in the soil. So this is, this, this is the end of this illustration. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain planted firmly in the ground, letting your roots grow deep. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is God's will. God's will for your life, one of them, is that your joy is made complete. It would be awesome if we could live in heaven now where every walk-waking moment we were in a constant state of joy. That will happen. This side of heaven. I asked our, our elders as we were praying for the service this morning, do you remember the day you were baptized? Every single one of us, I remember this joy that came upon me. So you get a little moment of open heaven there. It's God's will that your joy is complete. My command is this. Okay, this is going to be very difficult for most of us to hear. Hang on to your seats. My command, this isn't a suggestion. It's not a gentle nudge. It's not an option. His command is that we love each other. That's a command, that we love each other. You can't just love the people that you want to love. You have to love everyone. That we love each other as I have loved you. And this is, this is where it gets good. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. Here's, check this out. I no longer call you what? Servants. Like the servant portal might have been your entryway into the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't want you to remain a servant. Why? I've, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I have now made known to you. You did not choose me, what? But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear good fruit, fruit that will last. Amen? Jesus is saying, I don't call you servants anymore. I want to call you a friend. Quit acting like a slave and start acting like a friend, a child of God. Let's, let's shed that mentality that, you know what, I'm working for the big man upstairs and hopefully he won't write me up. God wants to bless you with an abundance of joy. He wants to invite you into a friendship like Moses had, that Jesus is suggesting that we do, that Jesus had with his disciples. By the way, those guys couldn't agree on anything. By the way, Jesus' 12 disciples... They were on political extremes. And yet he still loved them and had them on the team and was friendship. It was, it was friends with them. So let me end with this. For us, those that are introverts or have been hurt in relationship. I want to say to you, be bold and be courageous. Make your faith actionable and push in. Like, take a risk and push in. And if you get your feelings hurt, do it again. If somebody has wounded you deeply, well, have hope that they will change and have hope that you will change. More importantly, and probably the breakthrough, is consider friendship with God. Become His friend today. Enter into that dark place where the light of the Lord is shining upon your face. When Moses got friendly with God, Moses' face literally lit up with light and joy. And they're like, everybody around him is like, cover that thing up. There's too much joy there. That's too annoying for us to be around. But when you do, when you seek the friendship with God, everyone around you, they're going to notice the light that's emanating off your face. They might not have the language or the words to express it, but their soul will be prompted to worship. And that's exciting stuff. So, seek friendship with one another. More importantly, seek friendship with God. All right, you guys ready to, to baptize some people today? All right.
If you are on the baptism list, why don't you go ahead and just make your way up to the front and grab a seat up here. Where's Michael Jones? Do we have everybody here? Okay. All right, we're going to get everybody. We're going to get situated. And uh, at this moment, I'm going to pray the uh, prayer of blessing. So if you guys need to sneak on off, you can. But technically, the service is still going. And we want to invite you to stay here and watch this incredible declaration of faith. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he call you into a friendship, a face-to-face conversation with God as one would have with a friend. May the Lord turn towards you in your times of need. And may he fill your home with an abundance of joy, peace, security, and provision. In the name of Jesus, amen.